0: Copyright 2023, Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Celebrate responsibly.
1: Hey, it's Canzano. I appreciate you making this podcast part of your day. Make sure you subscribe if you want more and leave us some feedback. Away we go.
2: Initialize sequence.
3: Welcome to The Baldcast. A production of John Canzano's Baldface Truth.
2: I know
1: that Colorado and Deion Sanders, the hype train, man, this... It's been fantastic for college football. It's been amazing and fantastic when you look at the landscape of college football. I know it's been great for football. I know it's been great for the Pac-12 Conference. I know that Colorado has got the stage, right? It's hard to, hard to argue with the fact that on Saturday night, the country was tuned in to the Colorado-Colorado State football game. And I know that the attention is gonna pivot this week to Eugene Oregon as the Ducks will welcome the hype train in with both arms. Both arms. Dan Landing backing in. He's like, he's like one of those guys on the airport tarmac with the with the two uh flashlights in his hands or whatever those things are. He's welcoming it. Landing that 747. I know that's all happening. But amid that, we've got Oregon State and Washington State in Pullman. We got two ranked teams. We have the Pac-2 Conference Championship game. And probably a better matchup when it comes to, hey, which uh, which football game is going to be better. Huge Fox audience. Colorado-Oregon on ABC, of course. But, man, I'm telling you, don't sleep on that Washington State-Oregon State game. Oregon State has not won in Pullman in a decade. It is arguably the better game, the more interesting game, and certainly could be the more compelling game. But I want to know right off the top of the show today what you make of what we're going to see, the spectacle that we're going to see in Eugene, Oregon. What do you make of it? How much of this is uh, is brought to you by, hey, uh, Coach Prime and uh, this, uh, this world of college football in 2023 and the hype train, as it's being called, and how much of this is What is going on in Eugene is really about the Oregon Ducks, because I think this week you're going to have a real distinction in how this game is talked about. The rest of the country is going to be talking about this game as the next possible step for Colorado, the test for Colorado. Are they ready to truly compete in the Pac-12 conference? The point spread certainly suggests that they are not. But for Oregon, it's a very different equation and a different conversation. The conversation that I think Oregon is going to have internally is going to be all about Oregon. Is Oregon ready to take care of business against a team that has not enough depth, not enough talent, not enough experience, and probably doesn't know what it doesn't know when it comes to competing for a Pac-12 conference championship? Right? That's one of the things that I always talk about. You see teams that are trying to compete for championships that will sniff around success before they truly break through. And I think Colorado's got that feel to me. Oregon is a coming off a 10-win season. Oregon has the Nike machine behind it. Oregon has Dan Lanning, Bo Nix, and Bo Nix returning for another season and is thinking in much bigger terms and bigger stakes as it pertains to this game. Oregon now almost a 21-point favorite and should be playing at home against a team that is coming off a 1-11 season and had trouble getting by Colorado State. That said, I think it's a whole different football game for Deion Sanders and his crew. I think the Colorado or operation is uh, much different than the crew that you have at Oregon because at Oregon you are looking at this college football season as what? It isn't a stepping stone. It isn't a coming-out party. It isn't a, hey, get to know us. Oregon's trying to get to the playoff. Oregon's trying to get to Vegas before it gets to the playoff and win a conference championship. Totally different stakes. Colorado still trying to figure out, I think, what it is and how far it can go and what this season means, and certainly you have to give credit to Deion Sanders and what they've done at Colorado. Make no mistake, Colorado's arrival this season is a huge success story, not just for the Pac-12 not just for Colorado, it's a success story for college football. It has peripheral sports fans tuning in on a Saturday night at 11 o'clock, uh, and in some cases, midnight Eastern, to see Colorado play Colorado State in a game that, you know, left the Colorado fans jumping over the rails and storming the field despite the fact that they were a 23-and-a-half-point favorite. It's kind of ridiculous, but also kind of a, a blast. Like, I am, I am all about seeing what Deion Sanders can do with his program and this team. And, and then conversely, I'm all about seeing if Oregon is truly ready to play the role that it's supposed to play in a game like this. Oregon, for years, has talked about getting to the national stage, mattering as a brand, uh, registering uh, alongside Ohio State, Michigan, registering along some, some of the SEC programs. Well, guess what? This is the, exactly the kind of football game that a big-time football program sobers everybody up on, right? This is the kind of game where Oregon is supposed to punch Colorado in the mouth, supposed to win the game by double digits, supposed to, uh, you know, walk off uh, talking about, you know, hey, we have bigger stakes, hey, we have uh, bigger aspirations than simply trying to draw television ratings and sell some things during commercial breaks, right? A very different equation for Oregon and Dan Lanning. It's why this week I expect Oregon to do a lot of talking not about Colorado, But about Oregon. I think Oregon will focus largely on itself, its own players, its own mission, its own uh, talking points, and I think it will try to ignore what is going on at Colorado, as if Oregon is bigger than what is happening at Colorado, because frankly, Oregon is bigger than what is happening at Colorado. So keep an eye on that. Conversely, at Oregon State, like I said off the top of the show, I think you have a fantastic football game arguably a better game, certainly should be a more compelling game on the Palouse, as you have the two left-behind programs of Oregon State and Washington State not just trying to determine who comes out of this undefeated, but also trying to determine if they can draw eyeballs. The one thing they were accused of not getting when it came to conference expansion was eyeballs, right? What was blamed? Their TV markets, the lack of television households, the lack of ratings, the brands of the program, as you know, Oregon and Washington went off to the Big Ten Conference, and the four corner schools went to the Big 12, and the uh, ACC said, okay, we'll take Stanford, and we'll take Cal, and we'll take SMU, guess what? We were told and reminded that Pullman and Corvallis didn't matter as TV markets. Well, can Washington State and Oregon State not just play a great football game, But can they draw a large national audience for a Fox broadcast that will happen in the wake of the Oregon-Colorado game? Keep an eye on that because I think it absolutely matters. 503-417-7575 is the phone number. I want your phone calls. Uh, If I could give you a ticket to go see one of those games, the Ducks playing Colorado at Autzen Stadium or Oregon State-Washington State in Pullman, which game would you rather be at? And then I want to look back on the weekend, the week that was, do you make Colorado's performance against Oregon part of the case for this week? Do you make uh, that case knowing that, hey, football teams sometimes play up, sometimes play down? It's possible that Colorado's players and its coaching staff had one eye on Eugene. They certainly didn't play their best game, and they looked like a very flawed football team for the third straight week, and yet they are 3-0, and undefeated and ranked. Steven, you're in studio. I can give you a ticket to one of those games. Which game are you attending? I,
4: I have to choose Oregon, Colorado, but only because I feel like there's gonna be there could be more drama or there could be more of a history type of feel to that game if Colorado is to stay close where you know, if you're just looking on the field, if I'm going voting best football game, it's Oregon State Washington State by far. Like I, I don't think that's even a question but it's a better game. It's a better yeah. game. But I think the circus possibility of the Oregon Colorado game it's too intriguing to me. I, I I would want to see that in person. I would rather go there just because of what has happened this year with Dion and Colorado and Dan Lanning calling out Colorado at the start of the year when they left for the Big 12, and he said, but what have they won? They haven't won anything. Like, there's just so much more drama, so much more circus ability uh, of that game down, Eugene, that I would, I would rather go there. But, I mean, it's like you said, on the field, Oregon State, Washington State, we could be looking at two surprise teams maybe in the Pac-12 this season and they're facing off against each other in week one of the conference season. It's going, to be a, it's going to be a brutal game. Bloodbath up there in Pullman. It's going to be a good one.
1: I thought Oregon State looked past San Diego State a little bit. Did not play their best game. I also saw the coaching staff at Oregon State trying some new things. I thought they threw some new things at DJ Uyangalele that wasn't uh, totally comfortable running. I thought he missed some throws. I think for the first time this season, I saw Oregon State play just a so-so game. I also think that, you know, they they played a so-so game and yet won it going away, which I thought was really interesting. But I want to say something on the Deion Sanders front that hasn't been said yet. And a lot of talk, there's been a lot of talk about, is he good for football? Is he bad for football? Is it a sideshow? It's a hype train. Certainly the television networks have bought in. But I'm going to tell you something. We spend a lot of time in sports media criticizing coaches who won't speak their mind. We say it's coach speak. We say they never say anything. We criticize them. We call them boring. And yet now you have a coach at Colorado who's outspoken, who's authentic, who's honest to a fault, who is saying some things that nobody have said before. You know, there's one of one here with Coach Prime. I think he's, he's absolutely one of one. And, and now people are criticizing that, saying... Oh, there's too much hype. There's too much talking. Oh, I'm sick of it. Granted, there becomes a point when you've heard enough about Tim Tebow or Deion Sanders or Lynn Sanity. The hype train that does accompany Fox or ESPN does become too much. But let's be careful to not penalize Deion Sanders for being Deion Sanders. And let's be careful while we are bellyaching about coaches who won't speak their mind, coaches who never say anything, oh, they're so boring. Let's be careful not to criticize a guy who has actually provided some entertainment by telling us what he actually thinks. I need more of that. I'm okay with what Deion Sanders is doing. That said, I expect the Oregon Ducks are going to punch Colorado in the nose and sober him right up. I'll take your phone calls. 503-417-7575 is the phone number. I want you to weigh in. We're going to go to the phone lines. Uh, We've got Paul and Eugene listening on Fox Sports. Eugene, he's going to lead us off. Paul, welcome to the program.
3: Thank you. Thank you for taking my call. Um, what I have a hard time with is I understand the hype train and everything with Colorado, but I've been a, fo- a college football fan all my life. Why do we refer to him as Coach Prime? His name is Dion Sanders. It should be Coach Sanders. Should be shouldn't be about him. It should be about his students.
1: I I grant you that, and I you know I think you're free to call him anything you want if if uh, as a fan. But I do think he you know he's asked his players to call him Coach Prime. He's asked media to call him Coach Prime. I refer to him as Deion Sanders in print. Um, I but I think that's you know we're uh, you know we're nitpicking here. We're talking about you know what does he want to be called? You know I don't. He's at that level, just like Magic Johnson.
4: His name's not Magic; it's Irvin Johnson. But it's Prime. It's Prime Time. Like that's what we know him as. But I I don't argue this, John. We keep saying, "Yo, know, Colorado is a hype train." Is it hype? They're three and zero. Like, there, it's not even hype anymore. It's the fact that they're actually winning games. If it was hype, they'd be one and two. They'd be two and one. It would just be, "Oh, it's Dion out there talking to everybody." It's all their players out there talking. But they've backed it up and they've actually done it on the field. Is it really just all hype right now? Because I understand that they haven't played the best competition, but they've passed every test they've had and they're three and zero. There's nobody, lots, nobody there's that lots of three and
1: zero teams that aren't drawing audiences of 7 million 8 million and I do I do as I was watching the broadcast on Saturday night I did get a little nauseated as Colorado State late in that game was ahead had Colorado pinned on the two-yard line and still all the discussion in the game was about Colorado It reminded me of Lynn Sanity it reminded me of you know Tim Tebow you know everything that he that uh, Tim Tebow did oh he was walking on water pretty much now we're watching a little bit of that hysteria with Colorado and and uh, Coach Prime or Deion Sanders or whatever you want to call him. But that said, they're three and zero. Like they 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 have brought the audience. And you know, it, for people at Oregon who are upset about it, like I would remind Oregon that the irony is what Colorado is doing this season is exactly what Oregon has aimed to do over the years. And in fact, you know, when when Coach Prime was hired at Colorado. I kind of said, I bet you Oregon wishes they had hired him, like that their vacancy had come up a year later instead of a year sooner with Dan Lanning. It's no knock on Dan Lanning. It's just like that hire was the most Oregon hire ever. And if, if Deion Sanders were on the open market and had a little bit of proof of performance, you can bet that the Nike machine was going to go, oh, yeah, that's a, that's a marriage made in heaven. Let's go to Roy, who's in Portland. Roy, welcome to the program.
5: Hey John, first of all, I want to say thank you, Dion. I made some good money off of you, my <laughs> cousin. Uh, yeah. This weekend, uh, thank you, uh, Jay Jay Norvell. You're a genius, man. You challenged your team. You told them that they put that pants on the same way you put your pants on. Don't be afraid. And they went up there and played football. And that's what it's all about. That's what Jay was trying to do. He was just trying to tell them, hey, man, don't be intimidated by these guys. They all talk, and they just bought. They bought it to him. You know, nobody bought to Colorado like Colorado State did the first two games. And to me, this is the most okay. I'll give you your three and zero. I'll give you your three and zero. But I could argue and say the last coach might have went three and zero. You can't do no worse than 1-11. How do I know that the last coach I was at, if he were to stay, Durrell wouldn't have won some these or two or two or three of these games? You know what I mean? So I mean, you know, Dion, the hype machine. Is over the top. Tim Tebow deserved his hype. He was a two-time Heisman winner. Uh, Florida State, Florida won a national championship. Uh, I mean, they they deserved all the hype. They, Deion, they, they don't deserve hype. They haven't done anything to get hype. You know, it's just it's other coaches out here that turning around programs, and they're not getting they're not getting anything. It's just Dion got a lot of friends in the media. You got a lot of the all all the all the ex pros coming out, and you know it's. It's just a circus but a, but the thing you know too about Dion and what i noticed this weekend it, it's a weird type of and i didn't notice it to this weekend but it's a weird type of black versus white thing going on with mm. the whole Dion too, that i don't like it's like all deons the black codes with the black you know you gonna show the white people what like come on man it's no time it's no need for that in college football man. I mean, I, I start to notice this kind with the rhetoric on ESPN, and like this ain't about black versus white, dude. It's about you know stop, don't bring that into college football, please. You know, uh, and, and that's what I'm starting to get out of it. You know, I, I'm not, I, you know, I, God, God bless Dion, what he's doing, but don't turn it, don't turn this into a racial thing. You know, I, pre- yeah, I appreciate I, I, that. I, I, don't, I, don't I bristled,
1: like I bristled too when he made a comment about 75 percent of his locker room being black. And I thought to myself, you could go across college football and 75% of Oregon's locker room, Oregon State's locker room, Washington State's locker room, Utah's locker room, 75% of any locker room in college football is generally going to be uh, people of color. And so you have, I think, in you know, a real propensity, I think, with a lack of black head coaches to see a matchup with Jay Norvell at Colorado State and a matchup with Deion Sanders at Colorado and sort of recognize that, hey, that's different. We don't all the time get to see two black men leading their programs into battle, but it shouldn't be what all the discussion is when it comes to the football game. I I agree with Roy on that front. Uh, All right, more calls. Let's go to the phone lines. Let's go to Gary, who's in Tualatin, Oregon. Gary, welcome to the conversation.
3: Hey, John, go Ducks. Uh, I think Deion's great for the the, the league, um, especially. I mean, he's a, he's a role model for his kids, and uh, he gives them good Christian values. Uh, he, he, it's it's just what a lot of uh, a lot of college kids would like to have. Uh, went to the game on uh, Saturday, uh, saw you know it was a blowout, and I thought uh, Hawaii would do better. But what I did see um, a few things. Uh, one was James. He was very impressive, uh, much more, uh, much better than last year and extremely fast. I mean, he looks like he shot out of the cannon most of the time. It uh, seemed like the defensive line was getting better. Uh, they were starting to, to get some pressure back there. The DBs were much better than the week before. And I really liked uh, their letting Ty Thompson throw the ball downfield. So this is not the team that you start with. It's the team that you finish with is, is the right. way it
6: works. Big and game, though, for Oregon, isn't it?
1: Bet. Big big yeah, game definitely. for Oregon. This is a big one, because Dan Lanning has to win this game. Let's be clear, he has to win this game to continue the momentum of the program. Mark's in Portland. Mark, this spread is pushing towards twenty one points. It's getting a little fat.
7: Yeah, I, I, I didn't think it was possible, but I I'll, I like uh, I like Colorado. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm probably not going to touch the game because I've experienced too many. You could you could nail that game. You know, 38 to, to 13, and then a, a touchdown at the end that nobody cares about except everybody in Vegas, you know, so it's just too many points, and I think I'm somewhere in in between as, as far as what Roy was saying. I I think you're you're downplaying that, that Deion Sanders hasn't changed the uh, landscape of college football with the portal. He took a team that was arguably one of the worst teams, Power 5 teams in the country, and, and you know, I'm it's not a gimme game for Oregon by any means. They need to show up and, you know, I'm I'm thinking they win this game by a couple of touchdowns, but I don't like the point spread at all. And I think uh uh John this is fascinating to me because I've followed the Pac eight, Pac ten, Pac twelve, and I don't think I've ever seen a deeper and tougher conference than the Pac twelve is right now and it's their last year, so it's it's really yeah. ironic.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's really kind of sad that way because it's everything that the conference had wished it would be. Um, Look, like, I think you got to give Deion Sanders, Coach Prime. I think you got to give him a lot of credit. He made over that roster. He made Colorado matter. He didn't just make Colorado matter. He made Colorado the talk of college football. It is remarkable what he has done in three weeks. That said, I think he's going to go three and six in his next nine games. And Stephen, you're going to get him you're going to get bowl eligible. You're going to get the six wins that you needed, but they're going to come against Arizona State and Stanford and Arizona. And if he doesn't beat Arizona at home late in the season, I kind of wonder if they will be bowl, bowl eligible. And I think the loss of Travis Hunter hurts. The injuries, this is not a team that's real deep, but uh they're going to go to Autzen Stadium on Saturday. Mike in Wilsonville, what are you expecting Saturday?
0: I expect uh, Colorado to win, and I'm going to tell you why. First of all, Oregon has not played a ranked team all year. They've been propped up by playing these cupcake football teams, make them look good. Colorado has been tested. They played TCU. The, I, the last, This game the other night, man, that was a knockdown dragout. So they've been tested. they got one of the toughest schedules, and they're still standing tall. I expect Colorado to come in, like Michael Irvin said something that I believe. He mm-hmm. said he still think Colorado is going to beat Oregon. Now, Michael Irvin should know football, and plus, he's been around that team, and he knows what's going on. You best believe that when – to come you're gonna you gonna learn something you guys have been wrong about
1: Colorado all year what Wait a minute I said, I said I said they be beat w- Colorado State but they wouldn't cover and look what happened hey John
0: you said that by now the shine would be gone that's what you said in the beginning hey the shine is still there you've been wrong about that you've been wrong about
1: everything right. John Oregon's but Oregon's winning in I this say? game. Oregon's win in this game, team. and you're going to call in next Monday, and you're going to say, "Hey, you know what? Uh, they're they're, yeah." But here's the thing, Mike. Like I don't think we're on opposite sides on this. Co- what Coach Prime has done is amazing. This this is amazing what he's done. It's great for the game, but I just think they're gonna they're gonna get their butt kicked on, on Saturday. John, John, let
0: let me just say this to people like Roy. Just because you wear gear doesn't make you an expert. I just want you to know that. You got guys calling in thinking they know about football because okay. they wear the gear. I know football. They're going to beat Oregon. They're going to beat them like they stole something. Trust All right.
1: Me. You're getting 20 and a half points. I hope you take it. Guy Haberman, Pac-12 network broadcaster, Sirius XM Pac-12 show is next. I'm going to ask him what he thinks with Oregon and Coach Prime and Colorado come into town. I'm going to ask him, too, about Washington State, Oregon State on the Palouse. Leave it here. I want to talk about the Oregon game against Colorado Saturday, Autzen Stadium on ABC, and the Oregon State game Saturday on Fox. They're in uh, the Palouse uh, against Washington State. Uh, Also, can I talk for just a second about Colorado State and Colorado? Great game. Captured a bunch of peripheral sports fans but Colorado State played so dumb down the stretch of that game. The personal fouls were dumb. The fact that they had uh, ball carriers running out of bounds on third down right before the punt, their last uh, punt of regulation. Like, that, the ball carrier's got to get down in bounds, let the clock run, or force Colorado to use its final timeout. Just a bunch of dumb little things that cost them in the end. They probably should have beat Colorado, but i got to give Colorado credit. Like, Shudder Sanders made the plays. Played well. Had poise. Showed some resilience. Here to talk about it all, Guy Haberman. Pac-12 Network and Sirius XM on the Pac-12 show. He's joining us now. Hey, what did you make of that game? Colorado, Colorado State.
3: Uh, hi, John. It's great to talk to you. I uh, I thought very early in the game, I said to a buddy of mine that I was texting, as I'm sure everybody was texting a million people during that game. And, you know, I'm in the Bay Area. I watched Jim Jim Harbaugh's 49ers for a while, and now we've all watched Jim Harbaugh's Michigan Wolverines. And very early I thought, you know, I've seen Harbaugh's teams that play so close to the edge and beyond the edge. It doesn't mean they don't win big games. He's won a lot of big games. But I do think sometimes in the biggest games, that lack of discipline that makes them maybe uh, play with a certain edge that's great hurts them. And I thought very early in that Colorado State game, and I didn't think it would be that close, but I thought very early um, this could the way Colorado State plays might hurt them. It might cost them the ability to win the game. Now, that's not exactly what happened. What cost them in the end was Jay Norvell decided not to go for two. I know. when he's going to have to go for two in the next overtime. I know he's getting a lot of criticism for it, but I – I thought in the moment it was the wrong decision, and it was the wrong decision. He must have forgotten his defense was no longer the defense that was stopping Colorado. His defense was now the defense that Shador Sanders was driving down the field on. So that was a mistake by him, a big mistake. The other thing I thought, as it relates to this week, not to jump ahead, was Colorado State came out and played the game that Texas Tech played against Oregon the week before, which was it's not supposed to be about us, but we're going to be so physical and so aggressive that we're going to make this game about us. And, um, you know, that was a great test, I think, for Oregon. It it was not Oregon's best performance, but that experience, I think, was good for them. And uh, I think for Colorado, it might have been a good experience in the end as well.
1: Guy Haberman with us, SiriusXM, also on the Pac-12 network. Colorado at Oregon, no Travis Hunter. He's going to be out for several weeks. Uh, how? What kind of chance do you give Colorado to go into Autzen Stadium and and make this a game?
3: I think they can make it a game because I think their quarterback. Somebody asked me today, "What do you make it? Why is Colorado so good? Like, how did we not see this coming?" And to me, the number one answer is their quarterback's really good, who happens to be the coach's son. But their quarterback's really good, and if your quarterback's really good and you've got some skill guys, even without Travis Hunter, they have multiple players on that offense that have had 100-yard games. Um, I know right now, when you look at the stats, we have several teams that are defensively, you know, you're 10, 11, 12, 14 points per game. But now that we're getting into conference play, that's about to change. 21 points, generally 24 points, isn't going to win you a lot of games. And Colorado can score. So um, I do think they'll be able to score a little bit. I know uh, from a, from a line standpoint, like, I think the fundamental kind of basic outlook on this game is Oregon should be able to pound the ball for four quarters and run away from the Buffs, and the gambling line reflects it. Although, John, I would say I think the gambling line is has to be a little inflated due to just the amount of money Vegas has taken on when it comes to Colorado. And I think part of it is if this was an honest line, I think it would be a little smaller, but they got to protect themselves as much as they can against all the people that bet on the Buffs. Um, but I actually, against maybe some logic, think Colorado can hang in this game because I think they they defied the odds at every step here so far, and to me, Oregon has not yet proven that they're the team that um, I should have you know blind faith in to do what you know uh, what Colorado State did a little of. Yes, they can do that, but I, I the Texas Tech game was a little unsettling for me, so. Yes, I think Colorado can hang around.
1: The offensive and defensive coordinators at Colorado, Charles Kelly on the defensive side, and uh, obviously you know, the defense at Colorado isn't, yeah, isn't what people talk about, but yeah. Sean Lewis on the offensive side, uh, those two coordinators are good. I don't know that I would pick either of Oregon's coordinators head-to-head. Like, if we're just calling a game, Tosh LePoy on defense and – and Will Stein on offense relatively inexperienced compared to those guys. Is that a factor in this game?
3: I think it's a factor. Absolutely it's a factor. Now, Dan obviously is involved in defense. And I think Will's got – I think Will is a pretty – I mean, he's shown he's a pretty good offensive coordinator um, so far to this point in his young career. To me, Sean Lewis is well, – that's a, that's a proven head coach. Um, you know, he won games at Kent State. He put up points at Kent State. He ran the ride. If you go into the Kent State record books, his offenses are some of the best offenses in that program's history. And at times, he had, like, top 25, top 30 level offenses at Kent State. So, like, that guy's the next head coach somewhere. That guy's the next head coach at pick a place, Michigan State, let's say. Like, Michigan State should interview Sean Lewis. Um I think he's going to be an X factor in a lot of the games they play. He's not, not a head coach because he can't be. He's not a head coach because he couldn't – he made the career decision to go here, to one step back to take two step forward, and it's going to work. So um, I think, he, you know, th- they're obviously very good. I think one of the reasons this league, this year, these teams, the last couple of years have looked the way they look is because the, the level of offensive coach in this league – Is very high. I think it's. I mean, the level of quarterback play is also very high. But if you go down, think of all the guys who call plays in this league, John, Kalen DeBoer and Ryan Grubb. Ryan Grubb, Alabama tried to hire him. Ben Arbuckle at Washington State. Western Kentucky last year had the number one offense in the nation. Brian Lindgren and Jonathan Smith. We know. I mean, I don't need to preach to you about that. Uh, Troy Taylor, even even Troy Taylor at Stanford, he had a historic offense last year at Sacramento State. Chip Kelly, Lincoln Riley, check, check. Uh, At at Utah, Andy Ludwig's been fantastic. You know, Kenny Dillingham, I think if you had to bet on guys, you'd say just offensively get it going, Jed Fish, get it going. But there are very, very high-level offensive coaches, and I think one thing Colorado has is they are just going to be able – their offensive coach is going to be able to go toe-to-toe with every other offensive coach in the league this year.
1: Guy, there's a big game going on in Pullman. Oregon State, Washington mm. State, two schools that everybody has said, you know, TV has said don't matter as much as the others are playing each other. They're <laughs> both ranked. They're going to be on, on Fox, Fox, ironically. <laughs> uh, Nobody how, watches these yeah. guys. Let's put yeah. them on Fox. <laughs> yeah. And the biggest thing, like, I talked to Pat Chun, the athletic director at Washington State today, and he was like, hey, uh, you know, they're not telling people to boycott. They want people to tune in and show Fox, like, hey, this moves the needle nationally. Do you think right. this game will move the needle?
3: I think so. I mean, look—you know—we've seen all the things, and I know I remember you put together an article with a bunch of graphics uh, before of historic tele, um, like historic, tel, like recent television ratings. And the thing you notice—and tell me if you think uh, this is off base—is like the teams they get to puff out their chest and say, "People watch us." for the most part, with a few exceptions, are just the teams that are good. Like, they're good. So, guess what? When you're good, you get the primetime games. I mean, look at what's happened this year in the league. You remember two years ago, all the discussion about, well, I don't know, should the Pac-12 play 9 a.m. kicks so they can be on ABC, so they can be on Fox? And then it just turned out, when you're really good, they just put you on ABC. And they just put you on Fox. And you don't have to bend over backwards for them. And guess what happens when you're on those channels? Despite the future the the announcement that the future is here with cord cutting the broadcast channels still do the highest ratings, and so i don't think it's like some big secret why has washington state had good ratings the last eight years well guess what they've won a lot of games since 2015 they've won the fifth most games in the pac-12 both in league play and overall since 2015 washington state has five fewer wins than usc 12 fewer wins than utah not some big secret if you win games you're in important games you get on networks people watch you. It's that simple um and these two teams are good i mean this is this is there's only one game in the league this week that doesn't have a ranked team in it and these are two ranked teams so yeah i think people will watch will people watch like they watch coach prime will people watch like they watch caleb williams no i mean this will be interesting because caleb williams plays an asu team that game shouldn't be competitive like i'll be interested to see we can compare all of these games this week because there's three of them on fox Another one on ABC? Another one on – I don't have the list in front of me, but um, long answer. Yes, I think people will watch.
1: I hope so. I think I think it's going to be a hell of a game. Uh, this, Who do you think this, wins? Uh, Oregon State's better. But Washington State's at home, and Oregon State hasn't won there in 10 years. And so I think yeah. that game is going to be a fist fight. And Jake Dickert will throw some things at DJ Uyangalele that – that make him a little unsettled, and that's what Washington State yeah. does to you. And so I think it's a hell of a yeah. game. I think it's going to be the best game of the six uh, games that are on the schedule for the conference, and so I, I'm i excited to see that one, although I will be at Colorado, Oregon. Maybe I should uh, – You I should... should be. <laughs>
3: yeah.
1: Come on. You know? I mean, it's like yeah. the
3: Taylor Swift concert's in town. You go to the Taylor Swift
1: concert. <laughs> All right, I'm going. Okay? Like,
3: let's not over like, – Bon Iver, like I, people love Bon Iver, but, you know, when Backstreet Boys are in sync, come to town, you go see Timberlake. It's like, you know, let's go see the event. So I don't think there's any. You're not doing anything uh, immoral by going to that game. That's the event.
1: What's going to I will happen? say, you know, last yeah. Go, year, go what's ahead. What's going to happen in which what? No, uh, go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, I
3: was just going to say, you know, last year, my take on this Oregon State-Washington State game is that last year, Oregon State punched them in the mouth repeatedly. Cam Ward was very uncomfortable that entire game. So I think that experience probably helps Washington State. Um, I – look, I'm not one to pick against Jonathan Smith in a dominant run game. My feel right now is that Washington State wins that game. Um, I thought that DJU would be more efficient than he's been to this point. To be around the same – even below, I think, the same completion – I thought the completion percentage would go way up. Now, the beauty is he plays Oregon State. So, it's not all about that. But this is – I do wonder. I mean, are you're asking your defense to really hold Cam Ward in check um, unless DJ has a breakout game and, and they can go score, you know, 34 points or something like that. So – You know, last year I think would be a warning to not take Washington State, but I don't know. I got a feeling about the Cougs this week.
1: Guy Haberman with us, SiriusXM, Pac-12 Show, also on the Pac-12 Networks. Guy, what's going to happen? All right, you've got about eight ranked teams. Does the Pac-12 have a playoff team or two?
3: Uh, I think you know. I think it's very, and I understand it. I think the first reaction to that question is. No, they're going to eat each other alive. But as you know, the playoff is a national event. And what other people do or don't do affects how many spots are available. And this is just a wide-open year in college football. Um, The fact that so many teams went unbeaten in non-conference play really helps. A one-loss outright conference champion has never been left out. Of the college football playoff, so um, you know I think there is uh, a very good chance that somebody goes to the playoffs. Now everybody's got to get a little better between now and then, and try to avoid major losses before then. But it, you know we know who you lose to is irrelevant if you only have one loss. This might be the year in college football where somebody gets in with two as a not you know as a as a runner up in their league. We, this might be one of, you know, this might be that year. And as it like, sounds crazy to say, maybe it happens in this league. So much of it is just about the momentum you have going and the perception of you when you take a loss. And look around the country. Alabama's already changed quarterbacks multiple times. Georgia had a dogfight. Texas had a dogfight against Wyoming on the Longhorn Network. Just past weekend. we can. Notre Dame. I mean, I don't think anybody has looked like an unbeatable powerhouse at this point. So, uh, I I I know history tells us this league beats itself up and keeps itself out, but um, I don't know. It might just be weird enough year for it to happen given the circumstances, you know. It almost feels like it's supposed to happen given the circumstances.
1: Guy Haberman, check him out on Sirius XM. Also on the Pac-12 Network, Guy. Thanks for making time. I appreciate you, man. John,
3: you—I went to Fresno State, and I, all I heard when I was at Fresno State was about this guy, John Gonzano. There was, there was like three—John Gonzano, John French John and Andy yep. Katz. Like all these yep. guys had made their careers at the. Fres- I heard about John Gonzano, John Gonzano, John Gonzano, and then uh, I met you at the Oregon Stanford game. Justin Herbert's freshman year. And anyone uh, who's been through Fresno can talk about Fresno all day long. All day. Okay. And um, anyway, it's, a, it's great to talk to you. I love, love the podcast. Long time for the first time. So I uh, hope I have to talk to you soon.
1: Thanks. Great having you on, Guy. I appreciate you, man. And he's right about Fresno. It's, uh, anybody who's ever lived there or worked there, you've got uh, you've got something in common. Just a knowing glance. We'll leave it at that. All right, coming up, uh, we got some punch it audio. We'll also talk about the Ducks in Colorado top of the hour with the USA Today. Zach Neal will be joining us to talk about the team he covers. Leave it here. I got a chance to uh, see the newly renovated Research Stadium on Saturday. Walk around a little bit. Check it out. See it during a game when it's all full of people and sounds and sights and hot dogs and beer flowing and all that stuff. So I walked around the west side for a bit just to check it out. I got to say, I stopped Scott Burns, the athletic director and. Kimia Massey, the uh, deputy AD, and Sarah Elcano, one of the deputy ADs. I told them all. I said, "You guys did a really good job. They did a nice job on the west side of the Research Stadium. Downsized the stadium size, fewer fans, but it somehow feels cozy and yet it really easy and accessible on that west side. You know, I've I've spent a lot of time in that stadium, and in Autzen Stadium, and frankly, in a lot of college football stadiums around the country." It is one of the best college football stadiums in the country. I'm not talking about, like, comparing it to a 100,000-seat stadium in the Big Ten Conference. I'm just saying from a stadium experience, I thought they did a really nice job. I went up and down the escalators. I went up and down the stairs. I walked to each of the levels. I looked at the sight lines, and I went, you know, damn, there's not a bad seat over there anywhere. So for people who are uh, checking it out, you already know what I'm talking about. Steven, you were there. I really like what they did with it.
4: Yeah, it's a uh it's a nice stadium. It, like you said, it it seems bigger than it actually is, I feel like. Like it seems like it's a, you know, a big time college football atmosphere. And uh, you know, you can tell the fans they fill it up and they get it loud there and everything. It plays big. Yeah, and, yeah. Every, and everything just feels really nice and you know, they do a really good job there. I'm very impressed uh with what they did there. And now the question is, you know, how do you you know, parlay that into trying to get back into the big time conferences of college football. I mean, I, that, like the stadium feels like it's a Pac-12, it's a you know, a Big Ten, a, a Big Twelve type of stadium. You got to get there somehow. They got to get back.
1: I want to do some punch in audio. Let's go.
6: We interrupt this broadcast with a special announcement from the Bald Face Truth Headquarters.
3: Hey, we're all about truth, justice, and the American way here, okay? Which is why we've spanned the globe and
7: pulled the top audio cuts of the day.
2: You're going to hear little snippets of
1: sound. Hey,
7: it's time for Punch It Audio, presented by First Call Heating and Cooling.
1: Jonathan Smith, Oregon State football coach, he'll be with us Wednesday on this show. Jake Dickert, Washington State coach, will be with us tomorrow. But Jonathan Smith, talking about Oregon State and Washington State, the Pac-2. They will play this weekend. He says they belong in major college football. Punch it.
7: We, again, folks, the task at hand, what, what what is right in front of it, I'll totally agree with Coach Dicker in regards to the Oregon State and Washington State belong, competing at the highest level. I think there's a proven product, not just in football, but in all sports that uh, both universities' programs have uh, competed at the highest level, had serious success, and that should continue.
1: Should continue, but they'll be on the stage 4 o'clock. On Saturday, on Fox, what kind of audience will they draw? They've got UCLA-Utah as a lead-in. That game's at 1230. Also at 1230, Colorado and Oregon on ABC. Let's see who draws the eyeballs. But uh, the great irony is that Fox, which told Oregon State and Washington State, hey, you don't have a big enough TV market. We don't want you. Uh, They want the game between those schools. Keep an eye on it. Shador Sanders was asked what was he thinking late in the double overtime win over Colorado State. Here's Colorado's quarterback, Punch It. Well, we do it in
0: practice all the time, so it's not really a shocking or a surprise to it. It's just like, okay, we like those high-pressure moments. Like, that's that's what we live in, and that's. I wish the whole game was just straight that. Honestly, that's when I say we excel. But really, like, in my own mind, I was thinking Brady Mo, Like, he does it all the time. I gotta be able to do it. Just talking to him, just
1: you know, and Really,
0: just represented him
1: in that way. Shador Sanders in Colorado, calm under pressure in double overtime, but had their hands full with Colorado State. Dion Sanders, his dad, said uh, that the uh, to keep the cameras on the post game handshake, but then Dion kind of walked it back and took the high road. Here's Coach Prime talking about what happened in the post game. With Colorado State, Jay Norvell, his the coach there at Colorado
2: State. When Jay was asked about it earlier, he said about what maybe went on or what was said. He said, "You can ask Prime about that." So, is yeah, well, there anything meaningful?
0: No, in the no. I, I know Shador kind of got in between it, but no, nah, I don't. Man, I don't hold. You know, I could be petty if they petty, but I ain't. I ain't got time for that, man. I'm, I'm on to bigger things, eh? I'm happy for the brother. I really am, man. I'm happy that they fought, that they played a good game. I'm happy he's a head coach. I'm happy for any brother that's doing it and successful, man. I, I truly am. I don't, I don't know where all this stuff comes from. I have to respond because, you know, it's my mama told me that. You know, you, know, you just ain't going to type me and I'm going to sit back and ain't going to say nothing. But I'm happy for that dude, man. I don't know him, but I'm happy for him. I wish the best for him. I really do. Nothing. My success ain't got nothing to do with his. So why would I want him to succeed? I I don't know how people get down like that. My blessings ain't got nothing to do with his blessings.
1: Coach Prime taking the high road more or less there. Easier to do when you win the football game, but that game was chippy. A lot of uh, eye poking and late hits and some disappointing moments, I thought. The hit that uh, ended uh, Travis Hunter's night and has left him out for several weeks was a cheap shot, but I think there were some cheap shots flying back and forth. But ultimately, in the end, it was a very compelling game with a lot of emotion. And I left the game liking Jay Norvell a little better than I did before the game, but I also left with more respect from for Colorado and the way that they overcame and the resilience they showed. All right, coming up, we're going to talk to Zachary Neal. He covers Oregon football. Leave it here. I was watching the Niners-Rams game. I'm sure some gamblers were watching it. Steven, were you paying attention to how that ended? Uh, Yeah, I did, John. That was uh, pretty wild. Niners, a a 7.5-point favorite over the Rams. Up by 10 in the closing seconds. And the Rams elect to do this.
7: Pick for Maher is on the way, and that'll be the final play of the game. So the Rams put three on the board. Bad beats. But San Francisco
1: wins by seven. (laughs) They kick a field goal. What were they doing there? What's Sean McVay doing?
4: Well, he did say it was about the uh, divisional tiebreaker is what what his reason was after the game. That's like the fourth or fifth tiebreaker is uh, divisional, you know, the, the, the loss or the, you know, the... I'm looking for the word, but uh, point differential. differential, Point differential, yes. So
2: that's
1: why he was going for it. But why not just throw it for the end zone? Try to get seven, then.
4: I don't know, make the fans happy,
1: everyone that bet on the Rams. (laughs) (laughs) You can hear it in the uh, broadcaster's voice. (laughs) Starts to laugh. Oh, well. That's why they say the best way to double your money is to fold it and keep it in your pocket. Zachary Neal, USA Today, covers the Oregon Ducks. Based in Eugene, got a uh, chance to sit by him during the Oregon-Texas Tech game. I'll tell you, as a media member on uh, Press Row, what you're looking for when you sit beside someone is you're looking for somebody who, first of all, um, is a nice person to sit beside. Secondarily, you don't want someone who's chattering or angry throughout the game, pounding a fist on the table. That's obnoxious. Had that happen before. And uh, you don't want somebody who's going to be eating a bunch of food and chewing and making noise while you're trying to concentrate and write. Zachary Neal was a perfect gentleman sitting beside me on Press Row, and I thought to myself, "I got to have this guy on the show." Plus, he covers the Oregon Ducks; he knows what he's talking about, and he joins us now. How are you, man?
6: I'm great. I'm I'm very thrilled that I passed your uh, your test <laughs> for someone to sit next to during game. That's that's uh, among the top of my uh, my lifelong accomplishments right now. There you go.
1: Happy to do it again. Hey, listen, uh, Oregon, Colorado. I've been looking forward to this game. You've been looking forward to this game. Is Dan Lanning ready for this game? Do you get a sense?
6: Oh, yeah. I think that, you know, it's the start of the year for Oregon's been, I guess you would call it mundane just because of the strength of competition. Texas Tech, obviously, has a good team. I think that the year-end outlook, Texas Tech will be better than they looked against, you know, the, the first couple games of the year. But, um, I think everyone's just excited for this game because it's a real, real matchup, a top 20 matchup. There's going to be so much hype for this game. A lot of words have already been said. I'm sure a lot more words will be said between coaches and players and everyone this week. It's just this is this is what college football is all about. All about this one's going to be a lot of fun.
1: Give me an idea of how you think Dan Lanning should handle this week. What should his tone be? His talking points.
6: I can tell you how I want him to handle this week, but I can tell you how I think he's going to handle this week. I mean, right, he's going to go about this as he has everything in the past. When we talk to him in the media, he's going to be straight-faced, buttoned up, not say, you know, not give any bulletin board material. That happened already before the season. When I, I don't know that he was really trying to take shots at this Deion Sanders-led team at Pac-Florida Oregon Media Day when he had his comments about Colorado. You know, what have they won before? I don't remember. Um, but, you know, this, I think, behind closed doors, he is, is going to feed the fire to his team and have them ready that, you know, look at everyone who's going to be watching this game is watching for Colorado. He's going to feed that narrative to his players, I think, and um, they're absolutely going to be ready for this game. I think that they're going to be pumped up, but uh, I would be shocked if we hear anything, any type of bulletin board material from Lenny this week. That's just that's not really his way in front of the media.
1: He'll be on my show on Thursday. Have you had a chance to talk with him or see him in a news conference yet this week?
6: Not yet. We will talk to him tonight at six forty-five. It's his weekly press conference tonight, so I'm sure that we'll we'll talk. Um, I'm sure that we will try and bait him into some some questions about Dion and and everything. And I like I said, I think that we know what we're going to get. He's pretty buttoned up when it comes to that stuff.
1: The biggest advantage for Oregon by position group in this game. When you look at sort of the uh, you know the flip card prior to the game, where is that big advantage?
6: I think right now I'm focused on Oregon's defensive line versus Colorado's offensive line. Um, I know Oregon's defensive line doesn't have all of the stats, um, I, but if you look at the eye test, they they certainly passed that test. Um, they had four sacks against Texas Tech, which is a team who, who throws the ball a lot. Hawaii didn't, I mean, they threw the ball a lot, but a lot of those were quick passes. They didn't really give defensive linemen opportunities to get in the backfield. Same with Portland State. You weren't going to rack up a ton of sacks, a ton of, a ton of pressures, because, you know, they're, they're uh, low-grade schools, all due respect, that just don't want to get injured in this, in this game. So they want to get their quarterbacks to get rid of the ball quickly. That's not what we're going to see against Colorado, and Colorado's offensive line is not great. They give up, on average, five sacks per game, Um, They're one of the lower-rated offensive lines in the nation. So um, I think this could be a game where Oregon's defensive line really feasts and really gets a lot of pressure on Shador Sanders. If Oregon wants to run away with this game, as they're expecting, that's going to be one of their number one keys to the game. They need to get pressure on Shador. need to keep him uncomfortable, not sitting back there in a clean pocket. Uh, If they do that, I like their chances.
1: Zachary Neal with us. Uh, You can find him as part of the USA Today's coverage of the Oregon Ducks. This game, uh, obviously the point spread, Zachary, is leaning towards 20, 20 and a half, 21 points. Won't be surprised at kickoff if it's above three touchdowns, which is remarkable. Um, you know, I'm just watching the spread. So people won't be surprised if Oregon wins this game. But give me an idea, the difference of the narrative of the early part of the season, Oregon winning versus Oregon losing, in your mind.
6: Yeah, I mean, it's it's been really interesting to see how the narrative around this whole game has changed, because coming into the year, I don't think that the Ducks or Duck fans would have been super excited about, you know, this week four matchup against Colorado. It would be fun to go to Austin and see Deion Sanders, see that whole dog and pony show, but um, the hype around this game has changed so, so much since week one, and credit to Colorado for that. They've beaten the teams that they've faced. They've looked decent doing it. I know there's a bit of an asterisk against Colorado State that, week, but Um, You know, this is a game where I think that Oregon fans, if if the Ducks go in and win and it's close, they'll still be happy. But because of what has been said and because of the narratives and the hype that's been built about this game, Oregon fans want to go in and see a blowout. And they want to be the team that exposes Colorado for, you know, the the semi-mediocre team that a lot of people think they are. So um, that's what I think a lot of people are looking for in this game.
1: You know, I wrote it on Sunday that for a while it was Oregon that was in this Colorado position. They were getting a lot of attention for the uniforms and the facilities and Uncle Phil and Flashy. But, you know, having some success on the field until mainly till Chip Kelly arrived and put him over the top. And I feel like some of the same criticisms that I hear about Colorado were things I remember people saying about Oregon like in two thousand five, two thousand six, you know, it's it. It just reminds me of that time. Uh, how far is in your mind, Oregon come as a program that you know they're a twenty one point favorite over a ranked team on a on a big game that you know everybody's looking at Colorado going undefeated, ranked. Oregon's going to blow them out.
6: Yeah, I read that piece by you earlier. Really. I that's a really good one, and it it speaks to the fact that. Oregon is not the new kid on the block, the new flashy thing anymore. While they still are flashy and they still are exciting and you know they're your favorite team's favorite team, they still have all the Nike and the uniforms and everything, they've been here before. Uh, they've played for a couple national championships. I know everyone will be quick to, to remind you that they have not won any national championships, but they are not new to this stage. They are not new to being the marquee game at 12.30 on ABC on a Saturday. Colorado is. Colorado has not been here in a long time, so. Um, I think that that really speaks to the fact that Oregon is an established brand now, an established team, um, and yeah, they they've proven that they can beat uh, good teams by a lot of points. And you know, I don't I don't know that everyone agrees that Colorado is a good team. They're a fun team, yes, but they still have to prove a lot before they can be a good team. So um, I I expect Oregon to you know to unveil some things about the Buffaloes this weekend.
1: In hindsight, I'm glad that Oregon got a test against Texas Tech because the other two non-conference games were were not much of a test. Does that put Oregon as a dis, at a disadvantage here? Because Colorado has had to fight a, at junctures of all three of its games, and, and it fought to the end in two of those games.
6: Yeah, I, I could see that. I mean, if you're going to make that case against Oregon, I really can't stop you. Oregon, I mean, we say against Colorado that but... You know, wait until they play someone good to see how good they are. You can say the exact same thing about Oregon. I mean, I think that Texas Tech is a little bit better than their record. I don't think they should have lost that Wyoming game. Um, I think, again, at the end of the year, they're going to be up there in the top half of the Big 12 and be a, a respectable team. They'll be a bowl team. Um, you can't say the same about Portland State or, obviously, Portland State against Hawaii, though. Um, but, yeah, it's 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 a tough for Oregon fans to disagree with because yeah we still need to see a lot about this Oregon team but I think based on what we saw last year with this coaching staff based on the few things we've seen against their opponents this year so far uh, you can feel reasonably confident and based off off their stats and their rankings nationally um, offensive defensive I think you can feel pretty confident on where they are going forward.
1: What's Oregon doing really well right now in your mind? You've seen this team uh, through spring ball, start to finish in fall camp, now in three times on the field?
6: The easy answer is offense, um, but I'm, I'm not going to go with that. We we knew coming into this year that the offense would be humming under Bo Nix, Troy Franklin, Bucky Irving. We knew that would be good. I've been really impressed with this defense so far. Um, there were so many questions about the secondary last year and an extension the defensive line and how those two work in conjunction. So far, that's been really good. Uh, the Hawaii game in particular. Hawaii has a really good passing attack. Uh, Braden Shager, their their quarterback, has one of the highest yardage totals in the nation this year, and they completely shut him down. Um, I don't have the stats in front of me, but a Hawaii threw for, I believe it was less than fewer than 200 yards total. Um, they had an interception. They really, they really just did a great job. Um, these cornerbacks are playing really well. The defensive line is getting pressure. I've been really impressed through three weeks. Again, small sample size. They haven't played anyone. We we need to see better opponents and see this consistency stack up. But so far, I like what I'm seeing from this defense.
1: Zachary Neal with us. You can find his coverage as part of the USA Today's uh, network and coverage. Uh, you you know you're having a fun time covering this team help our our listeners get to know you a little bit zachary you grew up as i understand it uh, were you an oregon fan as a kid or did you follow the program or what was your story
6: absolutely i grew up in eugene i went to south eugene uh went to university of oregon journalism school so i'm an, uh, an oregon alum i grew up a, a big duck fan i lived the chip kelly era going to duck games every weekend so yeah i I bleed green and yellow definitely but during my job I am an unbiased media member so um, but I I am thankful to be covering the team that I grew up loving and uh, having a lot of fun doing it what
1: was it like to be a student at that time
6: it was well I was not a student during I was actually a student during the uh, the Mark Helfrich era and the, the end of that so that was that was pretty fun but man being in high school in middle school during the Chip Kelly era was, was quite a lot of fun. It was just, you know, it's, it's everything you wanted as a student just, or as a, um, you know, a high school student, a teenager, just growing up, and um, there was so much flash. And, you know, when you're that age, you care about uniforms, and you care about these highlight plays, and, uh, you know, you idolize DeAnthony Thomas, so it, it was a ton of fun. I, I definitely longed for those days.
1: Marcus Mariota walking around too, uh, during your college years. Did you did you see him on campus? Did you have any classes with any of those guys? No, I don't think it it
6: would come as much surprise that uh, Marcus was very confined as a college student and I, I rarely <laughs> rarely I think I might have caught a glimpse of him once or twice, but no, he was he was pretty hard to find, so no one's surprised.
1: All right. Do you have a feel on this game? Does Oregon cover the twenty 21- one point spread, or is it closer than the spread suggests? I
6: I think around 20 to 21 points is pretty accurate. What I'm kind of leaning so far is the the point total. Is, I believe last I saw it was at 71.5. I think it's going to be under that because, again, I've been pretty impressed with Oregon's defense so far. I think they can get after Shador Sanders and really kind of slow down Colorado's offense. Um, I don't have an official score prediction yet. I've kind of been bouncing that around in my head, but I see something around you know 42 to 20 45 to 24, something around there. So um, I don't think this is going to be a massive you know 80 point score in this game. I think it'll be a little bit lower than that, but I do feel pretty confident that Oregon will win comfortably.
1: Zachary Neal, thank you for joining us. I'll see you in the press box. Absolutely, thank you very much. There he is from Eugene covers the ducks grew up rooting for the ducks, went to Oregon, now he's covering the team. Uh Steven, let's talk about that point spread. It was at 14, 14 and a half, quickly jumped to 17, 17 and a half. A lot of money flowing in on Oregon, pushing it to 20, 20 and a half. I don't know where it is now. I can look it up while we're talking, but Give me an idea of what you think is happening there.
4: Yeah, uh, just looking at it right now, it's at twenty-one uh, officially, with on its way to twenty-one and a half. It's you know, it's uh, juiced one minus one thirteen to the ducks, so it's even going higher and higher as we speak. But yeah, I mean, I think you texted me last night and was like, "Yeah, Oregon's nineteen and a half point favorites," and I was like, "Well, it better get on Oregon." And, and you know, it's it's weird because you know, I think once it gets a little bit higher and higher, if it gets up to twenty-four, I mean, is it going to get higher as we get closer to game time? I'd have to go Colorado at that point because I understand like we undervalued Colorado at the start of the year then we overvalued them against Colorado State like there's no way they should have been 24 point favorites against them but now we're almost undervaluing them again because of you know the Travis Hunter injury and they looked so so against Colorado State like I do think this Colorado team is good John and I said this after week one I said they looked like a bowl team and I still think that they're a bowl team and so I think for them to be three score underdogs in Eugene is kind of a lot and Right now, I don't know. I'm leaning towards Colorado plus the points, but um, I think Oregon wins the game. But I think Colorado can keep it close. And it's just about it's more about Oregon, right? Like, I know they played at Texas Tech and they had a hard time in that game, but they made a lot of mistakes. They made a lot of mistakes against Hawaii, but it was Hawaii and they had a lot of penalties. And Dan Lanning talked about that. They can't afford to have those type of penalties against Colorado. And I just don't know that I trust that they're going to fix that over a week. And I think Colorado can take advantage of it. And they will scheme up some things, to, you know, for Colorado to score some points, and maybe even stop that crossing route that Colorado State did them so dirty with. Because you know, Oregon's going to run a lot of crossing routes. See if they fixed it. But you know, you would like to think that Colorado is going to go into the into the lab and figure out how to stop
1: that a little bit. Colorado's got good coordinators. They're gonna they're going to have a good performance from the coaching standpoint. It's why, look, last week I had a really good week against the spread. I went 5-1 on the 6-pack-12 games that I picked. You can get my picks every Thursday, by the way, at johnconzano.com. But it, I, I'm feeling pretty good about my picks. I like Oregon big in this game. I haven't decided yet if 20, 21, 21.5 is too big. Because there just becomes a point where you go, Colorado's offensive coordinator Sean Lewis is good, And they'll get some points, and I worry a little bit about a backdoor cover or a late touchdown or two if Oregon is way ahead, but I do think that there's a little bit... Oregon's not going to say it this week, but I think from a recruiting standpoint, there's a little bit of extra here. There's some extra juice, there's some extra vitriol, there's some extra here because i think they have been in some of the same living rooms they have pitched some of the same message i think this is a big opportunity with dan Lanning, he's going to bring a whole bunch of recruits in cuz he wants to see it he wants them to see it up close he wants them to see how much better oregon is than colorado you can go to colorado you can get all that exposure but guess what? You're going to have to play Oregon, and when you play Oregon, this is what's going to happen. So I will not be surprised if Oregon tries to lay it on Colorado.
4: And to your point with the recruiting stuff, Lanning even talked about that when he was asked about you know how Colorado has been this year, and he said, you know, I know a lot of those guys on the roster. I've recruited a lot of those guys on that roster, and now they're playing for Colorado. So you're right on that. Like, they're going after the same type of guys, the same caliber players. I think this will be big for Oregon. And, and we've talked about this before, going into the start of the year. We thought everyone was going to want to come into these Colorado games and just destroy Colorado. But that was before we knew that they were actually decent. Does Oregon still feel that way or is have things changed? If anything, it seems like it could be even more. Now the Colorado's getting all the hype, getting all the attention and everything like that. So it'll be really interesting to see what that point spread does, John. But, you know, I-, I have faith in the Colorado coordinators, like you said, to come up with some type of game plan to either slow down Bo Nix just a little bit and then on the offensive side get, sh- get the ball out of Shador's hands because that's the key. Right, Jordan Birch, can he get after Shador Sanders? Colorado State got after him and Shador looks you know, pedestrian. When he gets time, he looks like a first round draft pick.
1: Yeah. And I thought late in the game, one of the biggest plays was after the ejection for the uh personal foul targeting that happened on uh in, you know, in the overtime. I think Colorado State at that point it was teetering for them, right? It was I think that was their ninth personal foul of the game. That's ridiculous that you'd have nine personal fouls in the game. But um, I wondered how much that game took out of Colorado. As entertaining as it was, as much fun as it was to watch, as impressed I was with the resilience of Colorado, I think most of the country left with the same feeling that I had after watching that game, that Colorado's a great story. But that's not a great football team. That's that's an opportunistic football team that is and 3-0. Uh, I look down the stretch, Stephen. I want you to do it during the commercial break. I... I have Colorado finishing at six wins if they can win the Arizona game. And and I think, you know, that one is 50-50 to me. By that juncture of the season, you know, is Arizona going to give Colorado problems or not? I don't know. But I think it's a five- or six-win team, and it's a three-and-six, at best, Pac-12 team. But you tell me during the break. I want you to look through the schedule uh, and tell me what you think. And, about. and real
4: quick, it is fair to think, you know, how Colorado State and Colorado, how close they actually were. Maybe Colorado is a little bit. Of- you know, overvalued right now. Colorado State outgained them in the game, not only per yards, but per play they outgained them. And they Colorado State, 17 penalties, 182 yards. That's ridiculous. And they still probably should have won the game, John. Like, they still should have won the game, and they had them in the yard. So a lot of mistakes. Colorado did capitalize on that. But, yeah, I mean, you look at the stats. Colorado State dominated that ballgame.
1: And I, and I have to say, I want to give credit to Coach Prime in Colorado because I think it takes a lot of resilience to win those kinds of games, and they've won two of them. They beat TCU in that way. You know, they just kept playing, showed a lot of metal, came from behind. They did it again in this uh, in this Colorado Colorado State rivalry game. But let's see what they have left in the tank on Saturday, playing without Travis Hunter at Autzen Stadium. Anna's coming in the studio, plus we'll talk more of the NFL, the Patriots, and the Dolphins with a crazy finish. All of that's still in Anna is in the studio. Anna is in the studio. She was also in Killer Burger earlier today, and she has an idea for Killer Burger. Do you want to share your idea that you have? We can get Michael James on the phone if you think uh, if you think this would be a good thing. Well, Give a suggestion.
2: It's not exactly like revolutionary or anything, but... Um, Wait, before
1: you go into this, are what? you sure you want to share this publicly, or do you want to save it in case it's proprietary and it's we not, can open up a I have some a high
2: expectations
4: joint. right now. There's yeah, expectations exactly. through the roof.
2: You, you need to tamper that down, dude. She, all right, go. It's really nothing. Um, no, 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 no. Downplaying I,
1: like the secret that could put Killer Burger above McDonald's. <laughs> I don't
2: think so. Right now. Well, it's a little off-brand because it is Killer Burger. However, uh, I do occasionally go in a place like that and go, well, I, like their crispy chicken is so good, whether it's the original or the spicy. Big fan. But sometimes I go in a place like that, and I'm like, I need some, I need some vegetables. So if they literally would just take that piece of fried chicken and stick it on some lettuce, <laughs> I would be happy. A like, bed of be like, lettuce. Oh. And then you know, because I don't, I know a lot of people aren't too into the whole bun thing, right? There's gluten people. I'm not anti-gluten. <laughs> Or anything. I love my gluten, but given the option, sometimes I'll be like, "Oh, I can I can just take the protein and and I'll take the vegetables." With but it. because so. they they
1: essentially have the fixings there, they, they do, have because right? they put shredded lettuce on right. the burger, right? So they could just put a bed of shredded lettuce in a uh, to go bin <laughs> and and stick the. Some chicken tomatoes. on top of it with yep. a couple of tomatoes, and
2: you'd be happy. <laughs> yeah. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, and that's the thing, is they wouldn't really have to change their product supply line that much. you know? so And then they say be, chicken grilled chicken salad. Yeah, yeah, fried chicken salad or whatever.
1: Well, yeah. there you have it. And all of a sudden now they... Now you have
2: an expanded customer base, right? Maybe? I don't know. Maybe, maybe I'm off-brand here. I was, here I
1: was so. laughing because today you did take the bun and you ate the you ate the chicken by itself and uh-huh. the tomatoes or whatever. And then I reached over and ate your bun. Yeah. And I was like, yeah. you're going gluten free. I'm going, just give me that. I'll take that gluten <laughs> right now as is.
2: I see your nothing gluten. in it and raise you
1: <laughs> nothing in it at all.
2: Uh, hey, you were watching
1: Colorado, Colorado state on Saturday oh my night. Gosh, so you I'm... were sucked into that game.
2: Me and everyone else in the country that managed to stay up late. Isn't that so funny? Like, we, how many conversations have we had about this game since it happened? Just think about for yourself. How many people have you talked to about this one game? And I just love what it has done for college football. You know, like, like a few weeks ago, maybe a few months ago, we were really mired in a lot of Not very fun talk, yeah, about all the conferences and all that. And this reminded a lot of us, I think, of the beauty of college football, what it's all about, and and yeah, and we do have Coach Prime to thank for that. Who like how many of us were going to be watching Colorado, Colorado State last year? None, none of
1: us. Well, he's got Lil Wayne on the sideline. He's got Ralphie the the uh, Buffalo, and he had the Rock.
2: The Rock showed up. Do you think The Rock
1: is bigger? Kevin Hart was there. Think yeah. The Rock is a bigger deal than Kevin Hart?
2: I think they're on about the same playing field, don't you? I don't know. I don't know. For our kids, he was Maui. The, Ro- the Rock is Moana, bigger than Kevin so.
4: Hart. He's a you movie so? star. He's a he's an action movie star. Like he's the guy.
1: Yeah, and so, if The Rock and Kevin Hart were both in a restaurant, you could only get your picture taken with one. You think more people would go to The Rock? Hundred percent. Yeah.
2: He has expanded into multiple arenas, you know.
1: I also um, found it interesting that this game ended after 2 a.m. on the East Coast. Is that right? Does that sound right?
2: Sounds about right. Yeah, a lot what, of people... What
1: time was it on the West Coast? Because I'm looking at the Washington Post story. Washington Post said if you stayed up past 2 a.m. Eastern yeah. time, you uh, you probably had an affiliation to one of those schools. I say nonsense. I think the Washington Post is wrong. I think this game is drawing in fans that had have no affiliation with yeah. Colorado Colorado State. Mm-hmm. I think people who had affiliation with these schools always watch those schools. Yeah. But I think what it, the difference is I'm driving back from Oregon State, San Diego State. I'm listening to the Oregon-Hawaii game and kind of paying attention to it peripherally. Yeah. But I'm trying to get home in time to see Colorado and Colorado State. Yeah. And I walk through the door. And you and the girls were like, the girls were ready to go to bed. And I was like, oh, I'll let them watch a little bit of this football game. They stayed up and watched some of that football game. Yeah, they the did. The first half.
2: They were into it. And, and then they, in yeah. the morning, <laughs> because we were trying to be responsible parents and get them to bed at least by like 10, 10.30. And in the morning when they woke up, that was the first thing first they thing asked. First thing they asked. Who won the game? You know, it's like, this is good. This is good. This is inspiring. I, I like to see it happen. And, uh... I don't know. It was I wonder a little bit about all those celebrities showing up. Now that now that we're listing how many people showed up, is that just the coach prime effect or I don't know. Is there some kind of business transaction that took place there because I don't I just don't think it's purely accidental that the rock shows up and is speaking so glowingly about Coach Prime and oh, what he's you done think, for college football. you think football. that's a
1: paid endorsement?
2: I do. Now that we're talking about it, you know, like, it, it's awfully charitable of him to show up and, and say such nice things.
1: There no? were others, too, like Terrell Owens and others who flew in on a private jet. You know, Shannon Sharp came into one of the games. Warren like the uh,
4: Michael, Michael Irvin have also been at yeah. the practices.
1: Yeah. So I'm kind of wondering, yeah, you might be right, maybe send in a plane for him. And saying, hey, come on in. And maybe it's good for them, though, too. Like, maybe yeah, there's yeah. some exposure for them. And Absolutely. maybe they have the same agent or the same publicist. You see that happen all the time. It's one of the dirty little secrets in sports media. Some of the agents that represent coaches mm-hmm. in college football also represent the on-air talent at some of the major major networks. Mm. Guess why they get talked
2: about? Hmm. That's interesting. Yeah, I mean, there's some of that going on, definitely, where, like, they see a lot of coverage and they show up because guess what if they the cameras are there it's gonna catch them there and that's you know free publicity but yeah I don't know I just the more I see about the rocks appearance there yeah. and his comments I'm kind of wondering now so, so
1: Dan Lanning the Oregon coach will speak tonight at 645 to
2: he's, who f- to the media okay he does his
1: media appearance okay every Monday night yeah. 645 okay. okay he's coming on this show on Thursday yeah between tonight at 6.45 and Thursday, he's going to do a multitude of interviews. I'm going to have him one-on-one, okay? And I'm going to get the last talk with him before they go into the weekend. He doesn't do anything on Friday. Yeah. So I get the last interview with him before he goes into the game. Okay. So I'm, it's kind of like he's about to climb into the ring, and I'm <laughs> going to put a microphone in front of his face and go, okay, what are you expecting? Yeah. No, but which, what is he going to say? Do you think he's going to address Colorado? Do you think he's going to stay above the fray? What's his tactic going to be?
2: I think his tactic um, should be to pay a lot of respect to Colorado for where they are today versus where they were a year ago, the impact that Coach Prime has had on the program and overall on the excitement in college football. and Because I think that it only behooves him – to raise the level of his opponent or at least acknowledge it because it doesn't as we saw last week i don't know that it necessarily helped for norvell to come out and sort of indirectly criticize coach prime's mother who wound up in the locker room and drum up a bunch of energy on the colorado side um because of that
1: but it 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 didn't it didn't appear to hurt Colorado State like they they were in that game. They were. Do you think that Jay Norvell's comments, uh, although you say he he shouldn't have done that, do you think his comments sort of took a little bit of the uh, shine off of Coach Prime and let his team know, hey, we're not going to take that, we're going to dish it as much as we take it?
2: Um, I I no, because I think it juiced up Colorado by like at least twenty five percent more. To, with everything that Coach Prime did with those comments to uh, get his kids going, buying them the sunglasses, saying this is personal now, that was like the classic coaching move of taking a negative into a positive. And I think Colorado State actually faced a tougher opponent because of that. So I, I don't know. I, 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 Oregon's smart. They're already going to have their strategy in place and have conversations with Lanning about how they play this. They
1: had Dan Lanning's schedule. Yeah, Oregon had Dan Lanning's schedule all mapped out for the week when, it, as it pertained to media. Yeah, by 10 a.m. on Sunday morning. Mm-hmm. So they knew that you know they they Oregon reached out to me said Do you want him? I said Yes, um, and I said uh, What does he have available? And they said You know, basically you can have him in the muddled middle or whatever. And I said What's the last interview that he's going to do? And they said Okay think that last interview is like 520 on uh, on Thursday I wow. think that was uh, let me let me double check it might be Wednesday mm-hmm. I got I gotta double check okay. it but but uh, I I in the end I got I'm looking at it going gosh when you talk about um, the ability no 420 on Thursday okay 420 on Thursday is when he's coming on when you talk about this the talking points or the strategy I kind of think Oregon's gonna say this week is about Oregon. I, I get your point of, of like, building up your opponent because you don't want to, like, you don't want to beat the opponent and go, oh, they were crappy, we beat them. You know, you don't want to do that. But I kind of think Oregon's going to go, this is our week. It's our house. This is about us. This is about, you know, they're going to have a bunch of recruits there. You know, that they, they want to see them beating Colorado. Mm-hmm. I don't know if they're going to spend a lot of time at all talking about Colorado.
2: But... I think that's a missed opportunity to not talk about Colorado uh, and, you know, share that national spotlight that Colorado has already garnered, because either way, whether they win or they lose, and and we all pretty much think that they're going to win, it it really serves their purpose to build up Colorado and what it has accomplished, because it only makes their victory more significant, and if for some weird reason they lose, they look like they lose to a worthier opponent by the way they talk about them.
1: Washington State and Oregon State are going to play at 4 o'clock in what should be a much better game. Both teams ranked as well, flying under the radar, as Washington State and Oregon State always do. They'll be in the shadow of this other game that kicks off at 1230. But this is supposed to be a better game. (laughs) How important is it that people tune in to Fox's broadcast at 4 o'clock to show Fox and others that Oregon State and Washington State can command a big audience? Pat Chun, the Washington State Athletic Director, this morning said, it is vitally important that we draw a big number there. We want to demonstrate that Fox and other TV networks misfired by ignoring Washington State and Oregon State. Do you buy that?
2: Uh... Not really. <laughs> I mean, I think it would be nice, but I don't think one televised game between the two of them really moves the meter.
1: But what if the, what if that game draw? You know, the Oregon Colorado game on ABC is going to draw a big audience. But what if the Washington State Oregon State game also draws a big audience? Doesn't it? Doesn't it fly in the face of the argument that television made? Television said. You guys, your brands and your TV markets aren't big enough for us. We're not taking you in other conferences. And yet, here's the irony. Fox is putting those two teams on at 4 o'clock.
2: Yeah. But I think the the network executives can are experienced enough to look at that and go, well, people are probably tuning in just because these are the last two Pac-12 teams and let's watch them duke it out. Like, I think they're going to rationalize the numbers that way.
1: It's a better game.
2: Yeah. Yeah, yeah.
1: One of those teams might win the Pac-12.
2: Yeah, it's true.
1: I can't wait to see uh, who wins that game. Oregon State has not won on the Palouse in 10 years. Washington State's not back. Two games in the Pac-12 flying under the radar. Utah, UCLA, that's going to be a great game. That's on Fox at 1230. And then 4 o'clock, Washington State, Oregon State in the Palouse. Is it in the Palouse or on the Palouse? Seems like on. You're on the Palouse? I don't. But you're in like geographically. You don't say like I guess you say you're on the moon. You know.
2: <laughs> Googling Palouse.
1: The Palouse is a distinct <laughs> geographic region of northwestern uh, US uh, encompassing parts of Idaho, southeastern Washington, uh-huh. blah blah blah. Well, and, so maybe it's in. In the Palouse? Yeah. On the Palouse. Mm. Why do they call it the Palouse? One theory is that uh, the name of the tribe, the Palouse tribe, uh, was converted by French-Canadian fur traders. How about that? Mm-hmm. Um, and then they changed the, uh, why is it the Palouse? Is it on the Palouse or in the Palouse? <laughs> Somebody please tweet at me or call in and tell Help. Judah. On the Palouse? I guess it's both. Are you in the front lawn? Because it is a grassy area. That is called, that's what the Palouse is. Are you, uh... On the lawn or in the lawn, you're on the lawn. <laughs> you're on the lawn. So you're on the Palouse. I don't know. Who cares? Uh-huh. Okay, so let's talk about Mel Tucker. Can yeah. we do that? Can we? Can we talk about the elephant in the room? Uh-huh. Mel Tucker, Michigan State has begun the process of firing Mel Tucker. I don't know what begun the process of firing looks like, or what it means. Be- but you're either fired or not fired
2: well uh you're not
1: fired till he's fired
2: they've given notice our favorite word of late uh, of their intent to terminate his contract for cause they tweeted they it given notice <laughs> yeah they've given him written, written notice, notice of, intent
1: of intent to terminate to
2: ter- this, so this is all you know like, gives him seven all-
1: days to respond yeah. and then present reasons why he should not be terminated
2: right so this is all just part of the process to right? do
1: this with our kids Giving you notice that you're going to be grounded. You have seven days to respond in writing to tell us why you should not be grounded.
2: <laughs> that, you know? it's not a bad idea, but not seven days. They'll forget by then what, what yeah. they were in trouble for.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, it looks like he's done. Yeah. And they're going to pay a massive buyout. Yeah. So that's going to happen there. What do you make of all that? Like, his team didn't play very well. They played Washington. I, I predicted that because... I just said they would be distracted and they weren't going to rally around him, and they certainly didn't as Washington laid it on him last week, easily covering that spread, 41-7. Um, you know, what happens to this team amid that? Like, you think about being a player on that team. You're recruited to play by Mel Tucker. You show up to play for Mel Tucker. You find out that Mel Tucker was uh, doing some stuff he shouldn't be doing, and now he's not going to be the coach, and you cannot wait to get out of there if you're a player like you're just biding your time to get into the transfer portal now why they give him notice to intent to fire and then find a new coach
2: yeah that's uh, a real mess and of course you know we know brenda tracy and her work i mean she's a, a national advocate for sexual assault survivors and so you know i just it seems incredibly unwise stupid for him to I'll say it. Uh, do this and, and 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 then cancel her appearance at the university. Like, this is the person that you're going to bring in to talk about unethical and unprofessional behavior. And this is... Setting an
1: expectation. You, her, her presentation is called Set the Expectation.
2: Right. And we've seen that presentation. And, of course, you've played a big role in helping her tell her story. And so for him to... Decide that this is the person, you know, as a university vendor that he's going to engage with. And then when, according to her, things go sideways. Well, he doesn't deny it. Non- well, he says that it was consensual. Yeah, but he doesn't the deny them. the fact that
1: they were on the phone and at, at all sides agree. Yes. That they were on the phone and that Mel Tucker was, how do I say this?
2: Not reading the room.
1: Not reading the room. I have so many things that are crossing through my head of what I should say here. I'm going to let them all go. Okay. This shows how much I've grown in 17 years of doing this show. But Mel Mel Tucker is uh, on the phone and the phone call ends. And then Brenda Tracy says, and Mel Tucker agrees that Brenda Tracy says, that she wasn't on board with this. Like but he says, "Hey, it was consensual to that point." And then all of a sudden she had a problem with it. So they agree that she had a problem with it. And then he cancels her subsequent speaking engagements. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. he goes all the way. Yeah. And then goes all the way. You know? Yeah. Like you you, you know, it it's like the literally the definition of harassment. Yeah. He basically took her livelihood and said, since you weren't on board with this, now you're not going to come speak to my team.
2: Well, and the thing is, you know, if you talk to just about any woman in a professional setting, and yes, I am going to specify that this is more predominantly an issue that befalls women in workplaces where they are approached by men that they work with who make comments to them, who tell them they're attracted to them, who want to date them, people who are superiors to them and put them in this position where it's like, hey, um, I want this to happen, what do you think? And now the woman who may or may not be interested in having a relationship with this person, let's say she's not, most of the time she's not and now she's in a position where she has to figure out what do i do about it because there's going to be ramifications if i turn this person down there's going to be ramifications if i choose to report this i know that for brenda tracy this wasn't an easy thing for her to come forward and talk about and it's not really for any person in that situation so it's just i i it astounds me that in the year 2023 This kind of crap is still going on, and people just haven't figured it out.
1: I spoke with and communicated with Brenda Tracy shortly after this incident happened. I didn't know it was Mel Tucker. I didn't know what the exact specifics were, but she told me that she had a really um, disturbing interaction with a coach and was trying to quietly handle it by reporting it and hoping that their, the university handled it correctly. It subsequently got out, apparently, when the Michigan State uh, trustees were looped in just a couple of weeks ago. There was a leak that happened after the trustees were briefed that Mel Tucker was the subject of this investigation. Now, Tucker knew that he was the subject of the investigation. He was making 8 to $9 million a year. He... Delayed cooperation, so that he could collect several million dollars in salary. They inform the trustees. The trustees leak it. Then Brenda goes to USA Today and goes, "Hey, this is coming out. I'd rather just have the full story come out." Here's everything. She gave over all the documents. We had Kenny Jacoby on the show. He talked about that. I find that part that really interesting. That some of the trustees at Michigan State apparently, when they found out about this decided to leak it probably because they knew Mel Tucker was going to get fired if mm-hmm. this got out publicly right like because he and frankly if we really unpack it, he didn't win enough football games and so the trustees let it leak. otherwise this pro- we probably still wouldn't know about
2: this mm-hmm.
1: This would be an ongoing private um, you know investigation by the university.
2: Which, that's wrong. Like, you know, whether somebody is held accountable for their actions should not be dependent on their win-loss record.
1: Yeah. He's not going to coach again. He won't coach at Michigan State. He might never coach again. It, it's going to be messy. And, and uh, you know, I just, uh, I think you raised some great points on that that probably, you know, Stephen and I would not have arrived at. And, I, and it's part of why I bring you onto the show, because I think you have the ability to speak to such things.
2: And I normally don't paint things as, like, gender-based, but I think any reasonable person, any grown-up, can know that in workplaces, women have a much harder time with this kind of stuff than men.
1: The 5 at 5 is coming up. And then Monday Night Football. We still need to deal with the wild finish to the Dolphins-Patriots game. Plus, it's going to give us the five biggest stories all around. Leave it here. Two games in the Pac-12 flying under the radar. Utah-UCLA, that's going to be a great game. That's on Fox at 1230. And then 4 o'clock, Washington State-Oregon State in the Palouse. Is it in the Palouse or on the Palouse?
2: Seems like on.
1: Like you're on the Palouse?
2: I don't but you're
1: in like geographically you it, don't say like I guess you say you're on the moon <laughs> you know
2: googling Palouse
1: the Palouse is a distinct <laughs> geographic region of northwestern uh, US uh, encompassing parts of Idaho southeastern Washington uh-huh. blah 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 well, and,
2: so maybe it's in
1: in the Palouse yeah on the Palouse mm. why do they call it the Palouse one theory is that uh, the name of the tribe the Palouse tribe Uh, was converted by French-Canadian fur traders. How about that? Mm -hmm. Um, And then they changed the, uh, why is it the Palouse? Is it on the Palouse or (laughs) in the Palouse? Somebody please tweet at me or call in and tell Judah. On the Palouse? I guess it's both. Are you in the front lawn? Because it is a grassy area. That is called, that's what the Palouse is. Are you uh, on the lawn or in the lawn? lawn. You're on the lawn. So you're on the Palouse. I don't know. Who cares? Uh-huh. Okay. So let's talk about Mel Tucker. Can yeah. we do that? Can we can we talk about the elephant in the room? Uh-huh. Mel Tucker. Michigan State has begun the process of firing Mel Tucker. I don't know what begun the process of firing looks like or what it means. Be, but you're either fired or not fired.
2: Well, uh... You're not
1: fired until he's fired.
2: They've given notice, our favorite word of late... Uh, of their intent to terminate his contract for cause, they tweeted they have it. Given notice, <laughs> yeah, they have given him written, written notice of intent,
1: of intent to terminate. To
2: ter- this, so this is all you know. Like, Gives him seven
1: all- days to respond yeah. and then present reasons why he should not be terminated.
2: Right. So this is all just part of the process. Right? We should do
1: this with our kids. Giving you notice that you're going to be grounded. You have seven days to respond in writing to tell us why you should not be grounded. <laughs>
2: You know, it's not a bad idea, but not seven days. They'll forget by then what, what yeah. they were in trouble for.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, it looks like he's done. Yeah. And they're going to pay a massive buyout. Yeah. So that's going to happen there. What do you make of all that? Like his team didn't play very well. They played Washington. I I predicted that because I just said they would be distracted and they weren't going to rally around him. And they certainly didn't. As Washington laid it on him last week, easily covering that spread. 41-7. Um, you know, what happens to this team amid that? Like, you think about being a player on that team. You're recruited to play by Mel Tucker. You show up to play for Mel Tucker. You find out that Mel Tucker was uh, doing some stuff he shouldn't be doing, and now he's not going to be the coach, and you cannot wait to get out of there if you're a player. Like, you're just biding your time to get into the transfer portal now why they give him notice to intent to fire and then find a new coach.
2: Yeah, that's uh, a real mess, and of course, you know, we know Brenda Tracy and her work. I mean, she's a a national advocate for sexual assault survivors, and so, you know, I just, it seems incredibly unwise... Stupid. ...for him to... I'll say it. uh, ...do this and, 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 and then cancel her appearance at the university. Like, this is the person that you're going to bring in to talk about unethical and unprofessional behavior. And this is... Setting
1: an expectation. You, her, her presentation is called Set the Expectation.
2: Right. And we've seen that presentation. and Of course, you've played a big role in helping her tell her story. And so for him to decide that this is the person, you know, as a university vendor... That he's going to engage with, and then when, according to her, things go sideways... Well, he doesn't deny it. Non- he, well, he says that it was consensual. Yeah, but he doesn't the deny them.
1: the fact that they were on the phone, and at, at, all sides agree Yes, that they were on the phone, and that Mel Tucker was, how do I say this?
2: Not reading the room.
1: Not reading the room. I have so many things that are crossing through my head of what I should say here. I'm going to let them all go. Okay. This shows how much I've grown in 17 years of doing this show. But (laughs) Mel Tucker is uh, on the phone, and the phone call ends, and then Brenda Tracy says, and Mel Tucker agrees that Brenda Tracy says that she wasn't on board with this, like, but he says hey it was consensual to that point and then all of a sudden she had a problem with it. So they agree that she had a problem with it. And then he cancels her subsequent speaking engagements. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. he goes all the way.
2: Yeah.
1: And then goes all the way. You know? Yeah. Like you 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 know, it it's like the literally the definition of harassment. Yeah. He basically took her livelihood and said, since you weren't on board with this, now you're not going to come speak to my team.
2: Well, and the thing is, you know, if you talk to just about any woman in a professional setting, and yes, I am going to specify that this is more predominantly an issue that befalls women in workplaces where they are approached by men that they work with who make comments to them, who tell them they're attracted to them, who want to date them, people who are superiors to them and put them in this position where it's like, hey, um, I want this to happen, what do you think? And now the woman who may or may not be interested in having a relationship with this person, let's say she's not most of the time she's not and now she's in a position where she has to figure out what do i do about it because there's going to be ramifications if i turn this person down there's going to be ramifications if i choose to report this i know that for brenda tracy this wasn't an easy thing for her to come forward and talk about and it's not really for any person in that situation so it's just i i it astounds me that in the year 2023 This kind of crap is still going on, and people just haven't figured it out.
1: I spoke with and communicated with Brenda Tracy shortly after this incident happened. I didn't know it was Mel Tucker. I didn't know what the exact specifics were, but she told me that she had a really um, disturbing interaction with a coach and was trying to quietly handle it by reporting it and hoping that their, the university handled it correctly. It subsequently got out, apparently, when the Michigan State uh, trustees were looped in just a couple of weeks ago. There was a leak that happened after the trustees were briefed that Mel Tucker was the subject of this investigation. Now, Tucker knew that he was the subject of the investigation. He was making 8 to $9 million a year. He delayed cooperation so that he could collect several million dollars in salary. They inform the trustees. The trustees leak it. Then Brenda goes to USA Today and goes, hey, this is coming out. I'd rather just have the full story come out. Here's everything. She gave over all the documents. We had Kenny Jacoby on the show. He talked about that. I find that part that really interesting, that some of the trustees at Michigan State, apparently, when they found out about this, decided to leak it, probably because they knew Mel Tucker was going to get fired if mm-hmm. this got out publicly.
2: right
1: Like because he and frankly, if we really unpack it, he didn't win enough football games and so the trustees let it leak. Otherwise, this pro- we probably still wouldn't know about this. Mm-hmm. This would be an ongoing private um, you know investigation by the university.
2: Which, that's wrong. Like, you know, whether somebody is held accountable for their actions should not be dependent on their win-loss record.
1: Yeah. He's not going to coach again. He won't coach at Michigan State. He might never coach again. It, it's going to be messy. And, and uh, you know, I just, uh, I think you raised some great points on that that probably, you know, Stephen and I would not have arrived at. And I, and it's part of why I bring you onto the show because I think you have the ability to speak to such things.
2: And I normally don't paint things as like gender based, but I think any reasonable person, any grown up, can know that in workplaces, women have a much harder time with this kind of stuff than men.
1: The five at five is coming up, and then Monday night football. We still need to deal with the wild finish to the Dolphins Patriots game. Plus, and it's going to give us the five biggest stories all around. Leave it here. Monday Night Football coming up here in about 10 minutes, but before that, we're going to give you the five biggest stories in sports, including SMU donors dialing for dollars. You're not going to believe what SMU has done in preparation for joining the ACC could have belonged to the Pac-12. Had it it unfolded differently, this would have been a Pac-12 story. We present the 5 at 5.
4: The 5 at 5.
2: The number one story. Anna, go. Happy birthday, Patrick Mahomes. One day after his 28th birthday, He's agreed to a restructured contract with the Chiefs. It will pay him $210 million guaranteed between 2023 and 2026. That is the most ever for an NFL player in a four-year span.
1: It's like he watched
2: everybody in the offseason landing new contracts and was like, hey, me too.
1: Is that the only story that you have related to the Kansas City Chiefs?
2: It is. Why? did you hear? Did I miss something?
1: You missed something uh, huge. I, yeah, I, put, it, I put that in there. Just I got, in it. I got yeah. it. I got uh, it.
2: The the broadcaster
1: is it? Ion Eagle? Is that right? Uh yeah, Ion Eagle. He, yeah, Ion Eagle. He was calling Travis Kelsey touchdown. You know Travis Kelsey's dating. Oh yeah. And
2: yeah, listen yeah, to yeah.
1: how he described the <laughs> touchdown reception. Kelsey, the motion man, low snap. Mahomes moving pocket.
7: Mahomes floats it up.
2: Kelsey Kelsey finds a blank space for the score. Is that the Taylor Swift reference?
1: Taylor Swift, man.
2: (laughs) Pretty crafty there.
1: I think that's the name of her, is that the name of her album? I think it's a song, but uh, it has something to do with her. I know that for sure. I'm looking it up right now. It's a song. (laughs) Yeah.
2: You know he had that one all iconic they're
1: saying it is the one of her most iconic songs. Yeah. So he went through his Taylor Swift. I thought Swift. you would
2: know that, John, as a new Swifty.
1: <laughs> I just I think it's very clever when a broadcaster <laughs> flexes that he's done his homework.
2: Yeah. That's okay. Great.
1: All right, the number 2 story.
2: Uh well, you mentioned it. SMU raising an astounding amount of money in just 7 days. It's boosters raised $100 million to support its transition to the ACC. And what's a more amazing is that the press release on this says the generous early commitments from a group of 30 donors. 30! So they're dialing for dollars. Tree was only 30 phone yeah. numbers for $100 million dollars. That's incredible.
1: It's why SMU's collective. I reached out to their collective, the head of their NIL. It's called the Boulevard. I asked them where their collective would rank if they joined the Pac-12. They said only behind Oregon. Cuz Oregon can raise 100 million with one call. But nobody else is raising 100 million dollars with 30 phone calls. You know, they chamber a commerce that thing. You know. <laughs> they did. Yeah. You know. That I'm not saying it's as crooked as a dog's hind leg, but raising that kind of money with 30 phone calls, it's a big deal. You can take that to the bank, or you can hang your hat on it, or bet the farm on it if you want.
2: Wow. Okay. Just throw them all out there. Yep. Yeah.
1: I mean, it takes more guts than you can hang on a fence raising that kind of money. I had a, a file that I put together. Uh-huh. If SMU joined the Pac-12, I was going to write this column with all these sayings from yeah. Texas. Yeah. It's a waste now. I don't. I don't uh, have the ability to do it.
2: That's too bad. I'm in a
1: horn tossing mood over this.
2: Yeah. See? Uh-huh. See what I did there? Yeah. Leave no right. idiom unturned.
1: The that's a it's a good story, and SMU will be dancing in the hog trough if they. Uh, oh. If they keep this up. Mm-hmm. Do you think they're going to compete, Steven? Will SMU compete in the ACC in uh, football?
4: I think eventually, yeah. I mean, the money—the money's there, and they obviously want to be there. Like, that, I think that proves the commitment that they have. They'll get the players in there. With NIL and all that stuff, you can give money out. Sure, why not? I, I think they'll be fine.
1: I think They get- may not be a chicken, but they sure have henhouse ways. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Number three.
2: Yeah, thank you. <laughs> Thanks, Stephen. Thank you.
1: I can keep going. No,
2: I know I know you can. I know. Uh, Travis Hunter will likely miss three to four games, and it turns out it's because of a lacerated liver. Yeah. Whoo! This was the hit that came uh, late on Saturday during that game with Colorado State. Um, yes. Here,
1: here's the hit. Henry Blackburn was the offending player flagged for the penalty. Got to look at Sean Lewis, the
7: offensive coordinator, a moment ago downfield. Incomplete, but a flag down intended for Hunter, who took a shot afterwards by Henry Blackburn. And now some words, Shadur Sanders coming to the aid of his number one target there. Yeah, look, I'll tell you, as a former safety That's a very dumb play on the part of Henry Blackburn. I understand you may be trying to send a message, but
4: that right there, the ball had already hit the ground. You see number 11, you see he's not even close to catching the football. I mean, he's already got gearing down, and
7: the play's basically over.
1: Colorado State police and local authorities now looking into death threats against the Colorado State defensive back, Henry Blackburn, and his family. Blackburn is from Boulder. So, his family living right there in the shadow of Colorado's football program. Um, uh, The the cell phone numbers for Blackburn and his mother were published on the internet. His campus address, his family's home address also put on social media. Oh, goodness. Stupid. Uh,
2: Stupid hit, stupid response. Hunter will miss Oregon, USC, and Arizona State. I think he's going
1: to miss more than that. I think they're being conservative right now. Yeah. They're saying three games. Mm-hmm. I, do you remember I, ca- I said to you during the broadcast, look how somber Coach Prime looked on the sideline, even after he won. Yeah. He looked underwhelmed.
2: Yeah.
1: It, I think he knew that yeah. Travis Hunter was at the hospital, and I think somebody updated him and said, hey, he's gone for a few weeks. Uh. And because outside of Shadour and Shiloh, Shiloh yeah. his two kids – I think Travis Hunter is almost like an adopted kid yeah. in his household. I talked to Travis Hunter. We had him on the show on media day. Mm-hmm. He's really clo- close with Coach Prime. Mm. And you saw Shadour run down the field, try to go next to him. It's almost like his brother was down on the field. Mm-hmm. So uh, I think that is a big blow. Obviously, nobody likes to see that. I don't want to see that. I don't, think even, I don't even think Oregon fans wanted that. I think Oregon fans wanted Colorado at, at their best. Number four.
2: Uh, well, Dwight Howard, who has been playing for the Taoyuan Tigers in Taiwan, is looking to get another opportunity in the NBA. Uh, he's apparently meeting with Golden State next week. He last played in the NBA with the Lakers in 2021-22, and he was on the Lakers team that won the NBA championship before that. So, I don't know. He's been really popular in Taiwan. Like, I hear about him from my Taiwanese relatives, but uh, I guess he's itching to get back into the States.
1: Did you see that story where...
2: Oh, it's the leopards, by the way. Yeah. The leopards. I'm sorry.
1: Yeah, but he's being sued by a guy who says... uh,
2: Oh, he looks like him? No. Oh. (laughs) Oh, that's Michael Jordan.
1: No. I don't even... he, uh, well, he's been sued.
2: <laughs> okay, we'll get back to you on yeah, that one. Yeah, let's come
1: back to me. Yeah. Number five.
2: Uh-huh. Uh, former girlfriend of Tiger Woods, it's not over. She filed a brief in Florida State Appeals Court. She's trying to revive her public lawsuit against him after a judge threw it out in May. She's still claiming that uh, she was subject to sexual harassment from him. Because she was working for him at one of his restaurants when uh, they started seeing one another. And then she signed an NDA and she claims she doesn't remember signing the NDA. Oh,
1: therefore it's not enforceable. (laughs) I don't remember. I don't recall that agreement that we have in writing. They got notarized. Therefore, it shouldn't be enforceable. Man, that's bad. I, I... I much prefer the sports stories to be about sports. The Dwight Howard thing, by the way, he was uh, alleged to have assaulted a man who claims he met him on Instagram.
2: Oh.
1: And uh, he's being sued for assault and battery. Oh. And the man claims that Dwight Howard pressured him into having an encounter with a man who was dressed as a woman. What? You missed this. Yeah. We'll have to get into it tomorrow. I
2: know. We're running, be a <laughs> We're running out of time.
1: We're running out. This is what? like when happy days used to go, to be continued. <laughs> At the end, the Love Boat, to be continued. You remember those? You didn't, Back in the days, yeah. kids, we didn't have the ability to watch eight or ten episodes of anything. Okay, we had one episode. Fonzie was, you know, getting you can't off his motorcycle episode two right now. Come on. And then, to be continued, would pop up on the screen, and everyone in the living room would groan. <laughs> this show, on that note, is to be continued tomorrow. We'll see you then.